All right, good morning. So good to see everybody here today. Um, one of the things I, I, I will mention toward the end, I had hoped to do a disciple Bible study recognition um, before Nicole got out of here, but the uh, materials are not in yet. But Nicole did complete that, um, so we will be doing that sometime. Maybe we'll get her uh, at the new building and Skype. We'll Skype her in and give her, because uh, we can do that kind of cool stuff now, right? That'll be cool. So, um, so we, we'll see when we, get, when we get there. All right, if you're joining with us today, welcome. We are uh, in our second week of a new series uh, called Alter Image. And um, a couple things, I left the same blanks up top from last week. In the, in the Old Testament and throughout church tradition, an altar is a place where we lay down something before God. All the way in the Old Testament, there is an altar where you lay something down before God. It's a place where you sacrifice and an image, when we look at an image, it is what we think we are or what do we think of ourselves. So if I said to you, how many think you have a good image? Some of us may say yes or no. Last week we talked about inadequacy and how inadequacy um, relates differently, but is part of our, our, that we need to lay down that inadequacy to be who Christ calls us to be, who God calls us to be. So... Last week, again, feelings of inadequacy. Today, we're going to talk about our need to control. And what I have focused in the remainder of the series is um, next week, um, our, we lay down our right to be offended by other people. That's a tough one, am I right? Because we always are right uh, to be offended, and then we will finish up the series with a desire for praise or approval. Uh, many of us exist that way. So let me ask you. How many of you have some area of your life where you really like to be in control of? Okay, there's a couple honest people in here. Um, but let, let me ask you this. If you desired that the person next to you lift up their hands, you are a control person. Okay? And you need to take really good notes because guess what? This sermon is good for you too. Um, but almost in everybody's area of life, there's some avenue of control. For instance, some of you may be a control freak at work. How many of you are a control person at work? You want everything to be a certain place, and those people who just go by the flow and throw things everywhere, you just want to wring them around the neck and control them that way. Um, or you may be, and you may be totally different at home. You may be control freak at, at work and then just lay back at home, don't care. Or you may be the opposite. You may be the don't care at work, but you're, you want to control everything and everybody at your house. How many of you are that one? How many like to control everything in your house? Okay, there's a couple, of, a couple of you here. What about controlling your finances? How many of you are like, yeah, let's go, we'll spend, no big deal. You're not controlling. How many of you are like, like if you're at the red light, you balance your checkbook? That's what people used to tell, that's what Melissa's uh, college roommates used to tell her. And that, Oh, it's a red light, Melissa, go ahead and balance your checkbook. So, um, some of you have to have it to the T, and if you don't, you'll drive yourself crazy if it's a penny off. How many of you will drive yourself nuts if it's a penny off? Okay, there you go. Um, now, there is this other area of home that is a God-given ability to be in control of, and it's called the remote control. You have to be anointed by God and empowered to control the remote control. How many of you are the one, when the family gets together, you have the control of the remote control? Anybody? Oh, what? That's right. Remote control, I've got to have it. It's mine. And I have a couple of them, and I will, like, I will raise Cain 
and, and hell altogether if my remote is missing. We have one remote that Judah has nicknamed the up and down remote because it's on a slant and it goes to the TV. And I like that one a lot. You know, you can change it if you get up, but who wants to get up when you have the remote control? It does say remote. What's that last word? Control. And I like to be in control of that. So the kids will be watching something. I'll say, give me the remotes. Bring them to daddy. And it's like they float in the air and come to me like use a force. Um, but it is something that I, I, I love. I need to have remote control. It'll drive me crazy. I like to control the volume. I like to control the channels because we all know, right? And I'm going to say this to men because most of you usually grab the remote. We all know it's not about what's on TV, but what you can go back and forth between. Am I right? And that's the, that's the joy that we find in there. But there is a lot of things about control. Typically in life, there are two areas of control that people, that we like to try to control. Number one is people. We like to control people. Uh, do you know somebody who there's, are some people that are one or two things that you don't like about that person? Anybody? And have you tried to change that person? Have you tried to make that person know? Now, don't look at somebody next to you if you know. You can give me a look and be like, cut the eyes if you want. But, you know, what we find out is there are people, and we don't like them the way they are, so we want to... You know, and here's, here's how you can tell that. You know, you should really think about doing this. Or you're just brass and you say, I don't know what your problem is, but you need to get this. Anybody got them? Anybody got them? There's going to be a lot of finger pointing, okay, today. I understand. Um, and, you know, it's real easy to do that. But one of the things that's really hard to do about control is look in the mirror about ourselves when it comes to control. And so that's one of the things I really want you to apply here today. Here's one of the things. Have you ever heard the statement... Um, Craig Groeschel, the, um, anybody who has the Bible app from uh, version, you would know this guy. Or you may not know him, but he's responsible. He is the pastor of LifeChurch.tv. Um, yeah, I know it's an unusual name. But he's the one who put the group together and gave that free version. Um, Craig Groeschel. And he, uh, he said this. He said, God loves people and has a wonderful plan for their lives. A controlling person, if you're a controlling person, you love people and have a plan for their lives as well. You see, you get others to see your way and you do what you want to. You tend to be, people who are controlling tend to be manipulators. Very good manipulating, one way or the other. And as we look at this, many times people manipulate, bribe, pout, withhold, uh, whatever, um, in order to get them to do things. Um, I will tell you, when it came time for my youngest to get potty trained, we had been in diapers for 10 years. Not me personally, but we had had kids in diapers for 10 years. And if you've ever had that much in diapers, when you know they're at a the certain age where they don't have to be in diapers, you will do anything. And I know he's, gonna, he's sitting here, so he's going to bug me later today about this. But I said to him, Judah, if you go ahead and get potty trained, I will buy you, he loved cars, the movie Cars, I will buy you a Cars racetrack. I will buy it for you. And I even looked it up on YouTube and showed him how it went. And if he messed up a little bit, nope, not going to get it. And then he, he was doing well and then he kind of had a little step back. So I went and bought the thing and held it in front of him and said, I am not opening this to your potty trained. And guess what? Hallelujah, It works. 
Because I figured as much as we're spending on diapers, hey, that's a couple, that's about two weeks for the, for the uh, remote control set. I wanted to control him in that area because I had had enough. I don't care where they say you can't force him to do it. I was done. Bribery worked. And it was a wonderful thing. And when you get to number five, I suggest you do it. Okay? Um, so... A lot of times, though, we don't know that we do it. A lot of times, we think we're helping people. You know, we think you're helping you out. You know, and we say, you know, you should be a little bit more like your sister. You see what they're doing? You know, maybe you should have a, a point. You know, your brother did this or, or so-and-so did this. And you're trying to help people. But really, we're building into what we talked about last week, insecurity. And we, we heap that on people as well. Uh, and so we have this kind of thing. We really want to be in control of people. That's the one, one area. The next thing that we like to be in control of is our circumstances. And if you're visiting with us today, we have a blank in the bulletin here. You can fill that out. Also, if you have a smartphone, um, don't hook into the Cecil County Public Schools, but you can pull out your smartphone and you can hit the QR code and go right to our Facebook page and put something on there. I like to look at them and comment on them later. So if you want to do that, go ahead and do that. But the next thing that we like to do is our circumstances. And some people, and I would dare say some people in this room, want everything to look right. You want everything to look perfect. You want to, you want, you want, when they take a picture of your family, you want it to be like, leave it to beaver. Or fathers knows best, right? You want to be like, ah, you know, like, like the uh, perfect shot. And then when you get home, it's really not that way. And one of the times, uh, we had somebody, uh, we had some people coming over one time, um, and I said to Melissa, she thought it was funny, uh, I said, hurry up, everybody, let's get this house looking like we don't live here. You know what I mean by that? We always fix a house until we really get to know people, and then we don't care. But most of the time, we want things to look good. We want people to think that we have five children, and we work our tails off, and that everything is in place. And you come in and it looks like better homes and gardens. That's what we want to see. But it isn't always that way. And we like to control that. In public, we want to control our time. We want to control our schedule. We want to control the image of what we are representing about what others think. And God help us if it doesn't go correctly. Let me ask you, how many of you are somebody, you plan everything out to the T, and when it doesn't go right, look out. Everybody needs to stay away from you. There's some people like that. There we go. We have some people who are admitting um, today. All right? So why do we control people, try to control people in uh, circumstances? Because our image is out of control. We behave like we know what's best. Look, in your bulletin I have something to fill in. And this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture, historically. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. But I will be sharing with this from you from a new version called the ICV, and it says this, trust in the Lord, and you can fill in these blanks, with some of your heart, and lean on your own understanding, in some of your ways acknowledge him, and you will make your path straight. The ICV version, some of you may say that sounds really good, but the ICV version stands for I control version. And when we control something, we do this. We trust in the Lord with some of our heart. We lean with our own understanding. We acknowledge, we, in some of our ways we acknowledge Him, and we believe our ways will make everything work out and go right. But really, really, it's not that way. It's the other verse that I have printed underneath there for you, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, 
And do not lean on your own understanding. In how many of your ways? All your ways. Acknowledge him. And who will make your path straight? He will. God will make your path straight. The more we tend to control, the more we fear in losing control. Have you, when you try to control something and it starts to get away from you, we get afraid and we try to control it more. And we try and we end up in this vicious cycle. And when we try to control, we lose what we're supposed to have is freedom in Christ. So, real quickly, I want to show with you, share with you some things about freedom. Since we are on this 4th of July weekend, of the founding fathers, the ones who signed the Declaration of Independence, 53 of the 56 men spoke about their belief in God's Word and its value and in giving God control of their lives. Many, formed, many of those same men formed the American Bible Society, and all of the country's documents are based off of the Scripture. When they wanted to control and form a country, they used God's Word. For instance, if you go to Isaiah 33, 22, the three branches of our government were formed from this verse. It says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. It is He who will save us. And they used that to form the legislative the judicial, and the executive branches of our government. Many of the original signers of the Declaration did so in losing much of their status and other, other realms because they were very powerful in the British world. But they wanted to stand up for what they believed was wrong in God's control of their lives, and they dealt with great, great, uh, great struggles, and it came at a great price. In order to experience freedom, I believe we must alter, A-L-T-A-R, our image. We need to lay some things down for our image. And so many of us are in this vicious cycle of control, of control, and we get our focus and our target off of what God calls us to be. Many of us have our focus on the American dream, or we dream on, on things that should be wonderful. But what I find out when we go ahead and we try to control the dreams ourselves and what we want to be in life, we often find out that there's a hidden cost of this cycle of control. And I'm going to grip through these very quickly. Some of the hidden costs are spiritual alienation. And spiritual alienation is because of a lack of faith. The Christian journey is to be day in and day out, a walk with the Lord, that we go and we go to the Lord and we trust in Him each day. Not in our own strength, in our own schedule. But we want to control our own schedules, our own times. And we often end up filling our lives so much in achieving what we think we need to be at that there's no, little or no time at all for God in our schedule. So we are like the ICV version. We trust in the Lord some of the time, but not all the time as we should in order to have the spiritual strength. The next thing is relational isolation. We have a lack of community. I don't think that's any, um, it's any secret to anybody that in many areas of this realm, we can live next to somebody for 30 years and not have a clue who they are. Um, we have lost a sense of community. We are always trying to get to the next thing, to the next promotion, the next bonus. Then we'll be happy. And what we find out is our family often pays the price for that and chasing whatever dreams as we're trying to control where we need to be, and then we can reach a point of success that we believe we need to be at. 
Family without a sense of community has a low morale. And the same thing is within our neighborhood. Neighborhoods that have a low sense of community have a low morale. It has been showed, shown that in communities that have been impoverished and crime has flourished, that when a sense of community begins to influence that area, people begin to look at people with value and they don't think of somebody as just some, somebody they can take stuff from, but somebody of value. They put a name and a face to them. And many neighborhoods which were long gone in the 80s and the um, 70s have now been reformed by people going in and forming community. We cannot change a culture in an isolated neighborhood. Number three, emotional depression. That we have a lack of purpose and we head for an emotional crash. I think probably one of the um, things we see is this, what I call the emo depth progression. The emotional depression progression, where we end up seeking affluence. And when we get some affluence, then we begin into self-indulgence. We can't get enough stuff to make us happy anymore. And then when we get so much stuff, we get bored. And then we end up getting self-destroyed. And what happens is why we get soft. Now, one of the things I see in life is one of the things we, we've been blessed, and I've been blessed, and I know many of you have, that you have great electronic cool things. You have um, TVs that I get to hold the remote to if I come to your house. You have all these kind of things that you can sink in and, and do all that kind of stuff. We can be riding down the road and talk to people. I mean, isn't that cool that you can actually talk to somebody riding down the road and you don't have to pay long distance? Remember long distance? And all this kind of stuff. I, can, I get aggravated now when my cable television is a little bit out or a little bit fuzzy. But anybody remember where you put on the rabbit ears and the, um, t- the aluminum foil and you like stood and said, don't move? Okay, and we had two channels, two or three channels, and we were thrilled with that. Now, if you look at our culture, we get bored easily. With all that stuff, we get bored. But you go to a third world country, they're not bored. The little kids always have a smile on their face. They're always excited. And if you give them something, they're thrilled. Something little, then my kids would be that. That's it? And so what happens is we end up in this cycle. And I think one of the best illustrations of this is this guy here. The many faces of Michael Jackson. We look at somebody who was born in a very impoverished area. And Michael Jackson... The Jackson 5, A, B, C, right? Okay, they were cool, weren't they? Then he went on, and then we can go on to, um, to Off the Wall, right? Was that one of the songs? Then we can get to Thriller, right? Okay, anybody want to sing with me? Okay, um, and that was a mega album, and then we get into some other crazy stuff, and then we get into where he buys Chimps, and he buys Neverland, and all this kind of stuff, and still he's a great musician, but then he starts doing the stuff to his face, and we're like, who is that? I mean, look at the progression, He had all the things that money and life can afford, yet he was still empty. And then he got into drugs and all kinds of stuff. The drugs that he was using toward the end was stuff that put people under for surgery. Because he had this incredible affluence. He probably did not have a sense of community. We know that when we look at his history. But what we do recognize is that he was probably bored in life with being the king of pop. And that led to his destruction. And what we find out time and time again, that there are so many people, so many people that end up in this pattern in our world. And that ends to physical exhaustion because of lack of time. We're tired all the time. How many of you had a conversation with somebody this week where either you or they said, I'm tired. 
And you had a day off this week. And you're going to get up tomorrow, and what are you going to say? I'm tired. Big weekend. I'm tired. And so, and that ends up to depression, chemical dependence, and what we need to do in our life is step back, relax, and renew. Because we try to control too much. So what I want to do in the remainder of the time here, I want to go unpack this control gone bad. And we're going to use the story that Stephen read for us from Genesis 16, verse, Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And it's about two people, Abraham and Sarah, that their names at this point were Abram and Sarai. God changes their names. And they are very old at this time. They're like 90s, 80s kind of deal. They're old. And he hadn't had a kid in 90 years. How many of you at this point in your life that have not had children and you're, let's say you're advanced in your years, and I'll conclude myself in that, in this, would, would not want to have a child at 80 years old? Anybody want to have a child at 80 years old? Anybody want one at 50 years old, 60, 70? Okay, you get the picture. Abram and Sarai wanted one badly, needed one badly to pass on what they needed to. And so here we, God had promised Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. But here he is in his 90s and nothing's happened. So he's probably starting to say, yeah, right. So this goes on. He has promised him and promised him. God did not answer right away. So Abraham and Sarah decided to control their dream this way. And let's look at what it says here in the scripture. It's printed in your bulletin. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Not Hagar the Horrible, for those of you who remember the comic strip. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave or my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Stop. Who's in control? Yes. She says, there's the promise of God. You will be the father of many nations. It's not fit into their time schedule. And I want to tell you something before I get any further in here. If you're waiting for God to fit in your time schedule, forget it. It doesn't happen. And so God says, my schedule. So he says this. He says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Sarai says, I'm tired of waiting. Here, Take Hagar. Imagine that family discussion. Here, here's my servant. Go ahead. Enjoy. Maybe she can have a kid for me. Pretty weird, huh? Okay, so that's what happens. And they go ahead there. And it says, here's what it says. So Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had, um, so, uh, had been living in Canaan 10 years... Sarai took her Egyptian slave or maidservant, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Backfired plan. Am I right here? Her plan did not work out the way she thought, did it? I will tell you, anytime you try to put your plan and your control over God's plan for your life, it's not going to work out. It didn't work out so poorly that imagine the chaos created around the family table. Here you have Sarai, who wants a child, who God's promised she hadn't had a child. She goes ahead and is the architect of this. Now the one who she gave to her husband who has a child now hates her and now has a child. Sound like anybody's family reunions or anybody's picnics? 
If so, uh, call Jerry Springer after this. We can make some money, okay? Um, it's, it's crazy here. I mean, I love this picture. Like, Abra- Abram's like, are you, what? You know, in that picture. And then, if you think it's bad there, it not only affected their immediate family, but later, Sarah gives birth to Isaac, and Ishmael, who was the child of Hagar, and Isaac have a conflict. And guess what? Ishmael is... Uh, well, Isaac is the descendants from the Jewish people. Ishmael is the descendants from the Palestinians and the Arabs. Anybody heard of the Middle East conflict? How'd that work out? What you can trace the whole Middle East situation back to is one woman trying to control what God wanted to do in the first place. And one guy named Abram who was dumb enough to go along with it when God gave him the promise. Two people messed up the world that God intended. Think about it. And that's why we have the Middle East situation that we have now. So right now you're saying, okay, I get it, Jack, but I don't know anybody named Hagar, and I don't even have a maidservant. So what the heck are you talking about? Well, maybe you're this. Maybe you are a Christian person who has been waiting for a relationship with a Christian man or woman. And you've been, that's been the desire of your heart. And time's been going on and going on. And God promised you that was going to happen. And guess what? Now you're at a point where it's taken so long. So now you say, I'm just going to settle for the next person who walks in the room. Think of the Middle East when you do that. Or maybe... Financially, you're a strong follower of Jesus, and you feel God laying on your heart to tithe uh, or to, to give more to his kingdom, and yet you say, I'm going to do that, but I want to get my life and this and that, everything in order first here, and then. So we end up rationalizing, compromising. So here's the big question I want to ask you, and it's on your bulletin right there underneath uh, the Genesis verse. What are you trying to control? In your bulletin it says, I am trying to control blank. And I want you to write it down. I want you to write down what you're going to control. Now, I know you're going to say, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to do this thing. Guess what? You're controlling. Go ahead right now. Take some time. Just jot it down. If you want to put it down, you want to write it here and just cover it up, go for it. But everybody is trying to control something. It may be something little. It may be something big. I want you to be honest. Is it people? Is it your schedule? Is it your children? Is it your grown children? Is your grown children anybody doing that? Um, is it your coworkers or your boss? Is it your parents? Is it your spouse or partner? Is it a situation in your life? What are you attempting to control? So as we do this and we finish up today, I'm going to give you some questions that for altering, for laying down control on the altar for God. Everybody good? Everybody hot and sweaty? Awesome. Believe me, I was running around here trying to control the temperature like crazy today. So, um, First thing that I wanted you to ask yourself and fill in, does it really matter? In other words, is it worth my concern? Does it really matter? Does it matter if I get worked up about stuff? You know, there's a great story in Luke chapter 10. Two people, Mary and Martha. And Jesus goes to their house. And look at what Jesus says. Martha's running around. She's cooking. She's cleaning. Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she's, she's fixing everything for everybody. And she's just running around like crazy. And she's getting aggravated. 
Because Mary's just sitting there and she's doing everything. And here's what, here's what Jesus says to her. She's, she's ticked. And, she, and Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not taken, it will be not taken away from her. In other words, Martha was so concerned about having everything look wonderful for Jesus that she forgot Jesus was right there. Mary said, I can clean the dishes later. He's right here, and I want to be with him. Now, let's look at this. We try to control things that in a month won't matter at all. Our self-images are so warped that we try to control things that just don't matter. Like, for instance... Does it really matter how the underwear, shirts, and towels are folded in a perfect certain way to go in your drawer? How many think that matters? Somebody's trying to raise people's hands. You control freaks. Okay, here we go. Does it matter that your kids, when they come out, have every bit of perfect clothing and their hair, they don't have one of those hair calyx up? Does that matter? Does it really, really matter in the grand scheme of things? Okay, let me look at this. Does it matter that your wife or kids left trash in your car? Oh, yes, it does. No, it, you know, I mean, does it, in the grand scheme of life, does it really, really matter? Does it matter that the beds are unmade? Or that there are clothes all over your couch? But occasionally, you'll walk in the house... And you see this pile of clothes, you see the bed I made, and there's just something in you that goes, get in there! You do this, 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 and you have the kids running around. I mean, does it matter that toys are everywhere? And you know, it's really interesting, because Jacob's, Jacob just turned 15 the other day, and he's been cutting the grass. Now, I, I like to cut the grass because it's like my quiet time, but hey, if he wants to do it, awesome, rock it out, it was cool. And we have a leak in this one tire... And I've said to him, make sure that's pumped up before you take it out. And a couple, this, a couple times he's done well without it. This time he had it pretty much off the rim. So daddy pulls in and I was like, I mean, I go, didn't I tell you? You know, inside your mind, you're just like, because now I know I've got to get hot and sweaty and I got to jack it up. So I'm like, okay, now you're going to learn your, the responsibility of your actions. And he, I'm sure, you know, I remember my dad would say that. I was like, uh, you know, I called him names in my head. You know what I mean? Everybody with me? Um, I know I was getting called names in my head. But, you know, then I got to get jack. I got to jack it up. I've got to pop it out. I got to make sure here. Then I got to squeeze it to make sure it does this. I say, see this? And in the midst of that deal, you know, usually I'm just irate all the way through and a complete imbecile all the way through it all. And this time in the midst of that, I just kind of stopped and started thinking something. I started thinking that he's 15 and that he's quickly getting to the point that there's going to be a time where he ain't going to care about my lawnmower because he's going to have his own in his own house. You with me? And I started to say, my gosh, This is actually a cool moment where I can sit here and I can teach him without being a complete imbecile or whatever kind of name you'd like to call me at that moment. And 
And so I said, okay, Jacob, so here's what you do. And you got to put this here. Can you make sure that's that way? And we had this like little discussion. I walked in. I was hot and sweaty, but it was okay. And I started recognizing that, yeah, the toys are all over the place, but there's going to be one day where there's going to be no toys except for grandchildren. And then there's going to be a time where there's not going to be piles of clothes or the only pile of clothes is going to be Melissa saying, do your own clothes. Kids are gone. I'm done. Right? And we forget those moments in life. And so what God kind of told me in this is to embrace the flat tire. Embrace the time that I have with my son out there because quickly he's getting to a point where he's not going to be here. You know what I mean? Some of you have older children, am I right? I've, told, I've had older people say, oh, I would love to just have toys on the floor one day and come home and see that. I'd love to have my child scrape their knee and come and need me at that moment. And that's tough to deal with. So embrace the flat tire. Fall in love with the flat tire. Kiss him when he does something that you don't want him to do. But just recognize those are special moments in life. Don't, it's, there's some things in life that just don't matter. Second thing is, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? Some things no, some things yes. At times you can do something. If your marriage is not doing well, don't just sit there and do nothing. Get counseling. Talk together. Pray together. Have devotions together. Try to find out where you disconnected. Use, use um, small groups as people to, to grow together. If you're financially struggling, struggling, don't spend like people down the road. Spend into your means. If you're a homebody and you've wanted to you haven't had a date in 17 years. Go get a bath. Brush your teeth. Get off the Xbox. Go out and talk to people. Get part of a church. Go visit with people. Go somewhere. Guess what? I'm telling you, Jessica Alba is not going to come knock on your bedroom door and say, would you like to go on a date? It's not going to happen. You're not going to meet somebody. You can't say, God can say, hey, I want to go. I'd love to have somebody. And God says, I have somebody picked out for you. And you stay at home and say, where are they, God? You got to get involved with community and find people if that's the desire of your heart. You see, we like to control things that sometimes are, that, that we can't control. Look at what it says in James chapter 4. It's printed in your bulletin. Now listen You who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why do you not... Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Boy, that makes you feel good. You're just a mist. We don't know. I can tell you, and I've shared this with Nicole too, and I've shared this with other people who have a calling for God. I'm going to say, if you think... I believe you have a calling from God, and you do too. That's awesome. But if you think you know where that road's going to end up, you're crazy. Because you're going to head away, and God's going to lead you on another path. He does it time and time again to test to see if you're faithful and allow Him to control your life. Okay? Third thing, and we'll get you out of here in some air conditioning in a little bit. Is it for God alone? What do I mean by that? Look at what Philippians chapter 4 says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What do you do 
in our lives, instead of trying to grab hold and control something that's not ours, that's God's, we need to present our request to God. We need to pray to God. We need to give it to God. You know what that means? We need to lay it on the altar. We need to alter those areas of our lives. A-L-T-A-R. We need to give it to God and leave it there. We don't need to go ahead, give it to God, yank it back up, take it back, get worried about it, give it to God, take it back up. How many of you do that in your life? I do. And all that does is just continually keep us in this pattern of control. And then we wonder, God, why didn't you answer? Guess what? Because God does not answer in our timetable or our schedules. You know why? Because then we are controlling God. And God won't allow that. And then what do we do? After we lay it down, and the peace which passes all under, the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and, and minds in Christ Jesus. When you control, you are anxious. When you give it to God, you experience freedom. And you experience that, that freedom is within peace. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace and there is freedom. When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So as we wind down today, I want to give you some application questions. And I want you to ask me this question. Can you change your... Ask yourself this question. Can I change my spouse, my boyfriend, or my girlfriend? Can you? Now let me ask this question. Can God change my spouse, my boyfriend, my girlfriend? Yeah. Can I heal my friend? No. Can God heal my friend? You betcha. Can I control my future? Some degree, but not really. Can God? You betcha. You see, Abraham, who we started with, he wanted one thing more than life. And what was that? A child. A son. And God gave him Isaac. And if we go to chapter 22... God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go sacrifice him. Now, how many of you would say, all right, let's go ahead and do that? Not many of us. He waited 90-some, almost 100 years for this child, and then God says, go take it and sacrifice him. He goes there. He does it. The whole way, journey, they have the wood, and Isaac even says, well, where's the lamb? He says, God will provide. He's going... Got this in his head, I'm going to sacrifice my son, I've got to sacrifice my son. But God will provide. They get up there, they tie him to the altar and lays him down there. Now most people believe that Isaac is about 20 years of age. I, I would have problems with that. With my dad tying me up in his 90s and I'm in my 20s, there'd be a fight. Right? Because I want to control the situation. Particularly if I'm being laid down on the altar. You see... God took what Abraham loved and desired the most and required Abraham to lay it on the altar, to lay that down so God could see who is really in control of his life. And let's look what happens here in your, in your scripture here. It says, Abram looked up and there, he's getting ready, he has the knife ready, and he starts to go and an angel says, Whoa! And it says, Abraham, it says, don't kill him. And it says, Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over, took the ram, and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. It's the same place which is the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, where three of the world's major faiths hold 
special today. For your life, do you have a place that you call Jehovah Jireh? Do you believe that there's a place in your life, that in all your life, that you don't have to try to control everything, but that God will provide? Do you believe that with all your heart? Not the ICV version with some of my heart and some of my mind and some of my strength, but with everything that you have. Do you believe that God is in control? Do you believe that with every ounce of your being that you have? If so, then go ahead and experience what the Lord wants to do today in your life. As we close today, when Abraham surrendered control of that in which he wanted the most, he saw the miraculous provision of God. The peace of God replaced his controlling mind and his mental concerns went by the wayside. The peace of God replaced controlling and his worrisome heart and gave a heart of trust and provision of God. When you surrender control to God, you have a freedom in Christ knowing that Jehovah Jireh, that God provides in your life. Amen? All right. So um, praise team is going to go ahead and lead us in this song. Um, and then um, the altar is open. If you need to pray about anything in your life, just remember that God wants to provide for whatever you're going through, the struggle you're going through. Please stand.